Well, it's so wonderful to be together. Man, so many good things happening. We have been studying the book of Acts since Easter Sunday, and we are in Acts 5 today. I'm going to give you a little catch-up on where we've been. We need people in our lives. And as we celebrated on Mother's Day, we need uh, women who understand God's kingdom in our lives. Today, we understand we need men who understand God's kingdom in our lives. And we need community. And this was what we talked about last week. If, you have, uh, if, if you're newer to faith, you're exploring faith, we are glad that you're here. We believe this is a good place to be. We want to walk together towards Jesus. And what we see in the book of Acts is what happens to the church after Jesus' life, his death on a cross, his resurrection. And then we see the promise of the Holy Spirit being poured out on the church. And Acts is covering kind of what happens. And what I want you to know today is although that happened then, we believe God's work continues now. The outpouring of the Spirit is for us today. And it's a promise. And we see that in Acts. It says God's promise is for you, for your children, for those who are far off And just in case we miss anybody, for all who God will call is the promise of the Holy Spirit. This is really good news. This is good news for your life and what you're facing. This is good news for every aspect of your life. That God's promise is not just in Jesus who came and dwelt among us, but that God's presence continues to be fully alive in those who follow him through the Holy Spirit. And what we saw last week is that in the exponential move of God, that's where what we're saying exponential move of God is if when I get something and I keep it to myself, guess how far it goes? Not very, right? It's just like whatever I have to the power of one stays with me. But when we begin to share what God's doing in our lives with those around us, it begins to have exponential movement and the ripple effects and the impact of God's kingdom goes out in ways you would never imagine. And what we saw last week in Acts 4, I think, is really important for us. Because the exponential movement of God's kingdom is through our ability to share. To share. It says that they were one in heart and mind. Can you imagine what that would be like today? If every follower of Jesus experienced oneness... Now, here's the thing. It didn't say that they were the same, and I think this is a really important distinction. It didn't say that they were the same. Just look around the room here. If you're online and you're watching with somebody else, look at the person who's watching with you. Do you see your identical same twin looking back at you? Like in this room, do we all look the same? Are we the same height, same hair color, same life experiences? No. And even in the early church, it says that there were people gathered from all the cities that heard the glory of God being proclaimed in their heart language. They had different heart languages. They had different ethnicities. They probably had some different political views. Probably had some different ideas about how to make the world work. Sound familiar? I can see your smiles. This is good. What I believe was happening in the early church is no matter what they believed and prioritized in their life, they were finding the same surrender. They were one in heart and mind because they were surrendering their lives to Jesus. 
Jesus allowed them to have a one in heart and a one in mind, and they shared an understanding that it was not that they were all the same, but they knew the same surrender. And I just say, may it be true of us today. Whatever we walk in with, that it would bow itself at the feet of Jesus because Jesus is Lord and the author of life. And this is what begins to unite the church. And it's not just that, but it's the presence of the Holy Spirit working in me so that when I see you, no matter what differences I see, I see the Holy Spirit promised to you and that you're made in the image of God. And that gets above all the other things. We can be one in heart and mind. And then it says this, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own. They began to live more open-handed. They began to live with generosity that said, hey, what's mine is available to others. Exponential impact. They didn't just keep it to themselves. They began to sell stuff. And they would take the proceeds of those sales and make it available to the community. And then listen to this. It says, from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. That's where we were last week. Continue the stream of thought right here today. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. Do you see the continuation? We were talking about stuff being sold, one in heart and mind, they're being generous. Just continue the stream of thought. With his wife's full knowledge, which I think seems like a good thing, he kept back part of the money for himself. Maybe not. But brought the rest of it and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit. You have lied to the Holy Spirit and kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land. Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. Now let me just pause. Aren't you just thinking like, great text for Father's Day, Kurt? <laughs> awesome. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died then the young men came in and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and about the events. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about the events. 
I will tell you, I have been working through this text, thinking about it, knowing this is where we were going to be on this day. And what I want us to understand, the exponential work of God's kingdom does involve integrity. And integrity is essential to following Jesus. Integrity is essential to our lives, to our, high, our hearts, our minds, our well-being. And I will just tell you, on this day, Father's Day, some of you might be sitting here thinking, I wish my father had had integrity. And some of you might be sitting here thinking, I'm so grateful for the integrity of my father's heart. Integrity matters. And in this story of Ananias and Sapphira, what we see is integrity put front and center in the midst of community. Integrity is essential in following Jesus. Tony Dungy says it this way, integrity, the choice between what's convenient and what's right. Think about this for just a second. The choice between what's convenient Oh, man, they'll be so thrilled with whatever money we give. We can just hold a little bit back for us. I mean, it was our house after all. And what's right? And then I just get struck here because so often I think we understand integrity here, kind of in the midst of our, our human relationships. I love telling this story. It's pretty telling. If In seventh grade, I got a lesson in integrity. I managed to lie to my parents for a number of months. Anybody ever lied to your parents? Happy Father's Day, Dad. I love you. See, verse 4 says, you have not just lied to human beings, but to God. Here's, here's what happened. In seventh grade, I began to lie to my parents about a specific thing that was going on in my life. Basically, I was keeping hidden to them what was real. And I had convinced myself I wasn't lying. This is how great the deception can go in our own hearts. I had convinced myself I wasn't lying because I just wasn't answering their question. They would ask me and I would go, and they would ask me and I would just like, whoop, hello. (laughs) No, it's all good. I was not even clear on the reality that let alone lying to my parents, I was lying to God. Because God's heart for you is that you would be free and that you would have integrity of your internal world with your external world. And when we lie to people, that's part of the issue. But then there's also this reality that God's heart for us is freedom and he wants us to be free. And we can't be free if what's real and what's being lived are not the same. We are split and we lack integrity in that moment, in that decision. And here's what's interesting. What I see in this is that deception is what's destructive to our integrity. I was deceived to think I wasn't actually lying. I just wasn't telling the truth. Yeah, it gets, I mean, it can get twisted for seventh graders, you know? If you want to have a place of impact, serve with Vineyard students. Shameless plug. So here's my question. If we can lie to humans and we're also lying to God, the thing that has to become central in our lives is do I trust God or am I just trusting myself? Am I the center of what's going on here? Am I the keeper of what's integrity or not? Or is there a truer truth that begins to capture my life? What we see in the story of Ananias and Sapphira is a very interesting thing where they were deceived. 
They were deceiving themselves. They were deceiving others. And their integrity mattered for their own lives and for a community. Your integrity matters not just for you, but for people around you. Doesn't this seem timely for like where we are in our culture, in our day and time? What's so challenging about integrity is integrity is built over a lifetime and it's lost in a moment. Their integrity was lost in a single decision. Is that the price for the house? Yeah. One word, integrity, shot. One choice, integrity, shot. One decision, integrity, shot. Integrity is so important because it is built over a lifetime. And man, it's lost in a moment. Depending on your knowledge of Scripture, what you might realize or might be interesting to you is that this kind of mirrors what happens in Genesis 3 at creation. God is walking with Adam and Eve through the garden. And God encourages them to live with integrity. All of this is for you. But this one tree will kill you. Do not eat from the one tree. And guess where they go? Oh, let's just go check it out. I mean, we don't need to do anything. We'll just go see. I mean, let's go see. And Satan is there, the deceiver, the liar. Is that really what God said? Did God really say you'll die? Oh, no, 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 no. You won't die. You'll just be like God. Deception. And there's a critical decision moment. Will I be obedient to God, the author of life? Or will I believe God is holding out for me and this thing is really better? And Satan knows better. And by golly, I know better. From the beginning of creation all the way through, what we see is there is a battle for your heart, for your mind. There is a kingdom struggle for what is good and right and true. And you and me are right in the middle of it. And so here's what I want you to do. When you hear this story, right? Ananias and Sapphira, they sell a piece of property. You would think, man, they're being generous. They gave almost all of it. They gave almost all of it to the church. What was the big deal? It says that Satan came in. Listen to this. How is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit? Put yourself in the story for just a second. I know it's hard. I don't want anybody to drop dead right here. That would not be great, okay? But just engage the text. Put yourself in the story for moments of integrity that are happening in secret, that are happening in private. And think about this. How often are you believing lies that do not align with who God is and what God says? How often in our lives are we believing lies that do not align with who God is and what God says about us? Let me give some examples. I am fill in the blank. If your fill in the blank does not align with a God who says, I love you, I died for you, I call you by your name, there's forgiveness for every part of your life, are you believing a lie that might not be from God in his heart for you? I am not fill in the blank. Oh, I'm not 
meant to share Jesus. I'm not a person of courage. I'm not da-da-da-da-da-da-da, whatever. I know better about. We've come to believe lies that we maybe know better or we know not enough or whatever it is. In your identity, in your worth, in your values, is it possible you are anchoring on a truth that does not come from the author of life? This is what happened for Ananias and Sapphira. They agreed together. They made a decision together. And they had been filled by Satan. If this does not cause some caution in our lives, if this does not cause us to think about the spiritual battle that's going on, I would highly encourage us to understand this is why we need community. We need to have wisdom to discern. And we need to have the courage to bring our lives, our thoughts, our hidden internal world into God's presence so that the Holy Spirit has authority, into God's word so that God's scripture has authority, into community so that we can hear the blessings spoken over us by other people who will see things maybe at times we can't see. See, the challenge is there are gaps in our integrity. I told you in seventh grade I had a gap in my integrity. I am regularly working to close the integrity gaps. Hypocrisy has been around since, well, people. Yep, it was, it's people. People are creating challenge here. Anybody seen a headline in the last year or two that's maybe hurt the church? Two of us. What I want us to see is that this is a struggle that's common to all of us. It was the struggle in the garden. It's the struggle of the Old Testament. It's the struggle of the New Testament. It's the struggle of us today that we rely more on our own power, our own strength, our own ideas instead of a life of surrender that brings us aligned to Jesus. And it can be as small as like what was the price of the sale of that piece of property? Let me tell us how to get our integrity back. I think there was a real moment for Ananias and Sapphira, and they missed it. Here is our integrity. Our integrity is to be honest about our imperfection. Our integrity is to be honest about our imperfection and to be a people of repentance and confession. How much did you sell the home for? It wasn't that. It wasn't that. Actually, we lied to you. We have a chance right now to bring our integrity back into alignment. Ananias and Sapphira missed their moment for realignment, for re-engagement. Every one of us can get our integrity back when we go, look, I'm imperfect. I blew it. I lied. I was deceived. And I lay that down. And I experience repentance, and I experience forgiveness, and I experience the welcome into God's family that's been there all along. Yes, I went and ran my own way for a while, but I turned and realized this is home. Yeah, absolutely. This is the story of God's people. This is what it is to be the church. 
Not to act like we have it all together, but to go, guess what? We don't, but we're following the one who does. And in that journey, our integrity is being restored and redeemed and renewed and realigned day in and day out. Where are you prone to being deceived? Man, isn't this just a feel-good word? Man, ah, this is good. Like, yeah, tell me where I'm prone to deception. That's what we need to give our attention to. <laughs> Can I just be honest, though? This is the thing that saves us. To begin to see our blind spots and to have people who love us enough to go, hey, you might not realize this, but this has been hard. To begin to realize there is grace upon grace. What is inside of me that I have to confront? Is it fear? Is it greed? Is it control? Is it security? Philip Bentz says this in one of his commentaries, for Ananias and Sapphira, a concern for image was more important than speaking honestly. A concern for image, they would look good in front of the leaders of the church, was more important than speaking honestly. What is it for me? Do I want to be liked? Probably. Do I want to have more than enough? Absolutely. Where is it we're prone to the lies of Satan and the kingdom of darkness that would distract us and pull us off course? See, integrity begins with internal alignment and is expressed through external actions. Listen to this commentary from Warren Worsby. The sin of Ananias and Sapphira was energized by Satan. These are followers of Jesus. They were a part of the church community. Yet it says that their sin was energized by Satan. Let that sink in for just a second. Warren goes on to say this. If Satan cannot defeat the church by attacks from the outside, he will get on the inside and go to work. He will go to work. He knows how to lie to the minds and hearts of church members, even genuine Christians, and get them to follow his orders. We forget the admonition about the spiritual armor in Ephesians 6 was written to God's people, not to unbelievers, because it is the Christians who are in danger of being used by Satan to accomplish his evil purposes. Yikes. In the garden, Adam and Eve were walking with God. I tell you, sometimes I like to believe if, if Jesus were just here and I could walk with Jesus, that would make it all all right. Adam and Eve were made in the image of God. You have been made in the image of God. Our internal world is a primary place we experience spiritual warfare. Our internal world, our thoughts, our minds, the secret conversations we have with ourselves. This was the battle for Ananias and Sapphira. They had had some secret thoughts. They had had some conversation that was hidden from community. It was their internal world where spiritual warfare began to unfold for them. And then they lived from the inside out.
pay attention to the secret life that you foster on the inside of your heart and your mind? I remember when I was practicing as a marriage and family therapist, I would ask people this question. Do you believe God can speak to you? If you're here in the room, you might be exploring faith. This is not, I don't expect every hand to go up. But if you're here and you believe God can talk to you, just show me a raise of hand. Okay. Actually, a lot of us. Here's the fun question. Do you believe that you can talk to you? A lot of heads nodding. Yeah. Do you believe that Satan can talk to you? How often do we allow ourselves to discern the differences? Can I tell you how I've learned to discern the differences in my life? I talk to people that I see their external world and their internal world being aligned, and I learn from them. It's called community, and it's called mentorship. It's called spiritual friendship. I have people in my life that I look at their lives and I go, I would love to look like that. And I talk to them about my internal world. And they help me see Jesus and they help me think about scripture. It is walking our faith journey out with somebody else. And what's what's interesting is that secret life that I have when I share it with somebody, you know what happens to it? It gets less powerful. But we have this incredible gift in scripture. And so we have to spend time in scripture. And we have to understand that God's word says there's no condemnation for you, not just in John 3, 17, but also in Romans. And so anything that's holding you back that says, actually, you're too far gone, God does not want you, you're condemned to this forever thing, that does not align with the work of Jesus and his kingdom that says there's forgiveness for you and there's freedom, and that is a lie from Satan to hold you back. Which means we need to memorize Scripture. We need to let God's voice have authority, and that's a primary work of the Holy Spirit. We have to learn to tune our ears to the voice of God through the power of the Holy Spirit because it says the Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you into all truth. The promise of the Holy Spirit for the early church was not how Ananias and Sapphira operated under this home sale. And this is not a statement for anybody who's selling homes right now. For all our real estate agents in the building, have integrity, operate great home sales. No, the Lord's kindness is in all of this, but I'm saying we've got to let God have authority in our life so that we hear God's voice and we tell Satan's voice where to go. And I'll just tell you, I'm going to be really frank. I think we need more of this on social media. Our social media feeds should look more like the kingdom of God, not something other than that. It's not a venue to just let ideas fly. Pay attention. Philippians 4 is one of my passages of scripture I've memorized. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all For the Lord is near. For the Lord is near. Let that sink in every moment of your day you're having a hard time. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart 
and your mind in Christ Jesus, the internal battle, the spiritual battle that wages inside, God's wanting to come near to us so that God is there protecting us in our heart and our mind. And then it goes on to say, and do this, whatever is right, whatever is true, whatever is lovely, whatever is worthy of praise, think about those things. Go to work on the spiritual battle in your internal world and get your eyes set on the things of God, on the things of his kingdom, because there is a conversation happening inside for all of us. And we will be free when the inside matches the outside. Listen for the Holy Spirit. And good news, if you are here today and you are new to faith, the Holy Spirit is fully promised to you from the get-go. You don't have to earn the Holy Spirit badge. You don't have to get your Holy Spirit driver's license. God is fully present and fully available to you right now. Welcome God to be near, to be available, and to break through the noise so that you hear the voice of God. That we could be a people with integrity. Let's finish with the fun part. Great fear seized the church and all the people who heard about it. Great fear seized the church. You know, what's interesting about fear, it's something we all know. It's something we all know. The question we have to ask ourselves is, do we know the difference between fear and the fear of the Lord? Because fear is about darkness and destruction and that there is imminent doom and death just around the corner. Anybody know that feeling? I do. That's why I turn on lights when I go into dark rooms, okay? Guys, I'm just being honest. That's a truth of my internal. Now you know it on an external. That was an expression of integrity, okay? No, fear is a weird thing. Fear, fear I think, is the fruit of sin in all of us. And this is, how, this is how sneaky fear is. You're walking down the road, minding your own business, and you see something. And before you choose fear, fear is on you. You see that person or that image or that moment or that reminder or you smell that smell and fear fires off. And all of a sudden, you're no longer safe, things are no longer good, and you are afraid you might die. Fear is the fruit of sin, the fear of death. Jesus on the cross conquers death and sin, and declares life in the resurrection, and I think invites us to know a totally different fear, and it's the fear of the Lord. And listen to God's word. This is scripture, because fear of the Lord is not about being scared. Fear of the Lord is about awe and worship. The fear of the Lord is that there is an all-powerful, almighty, all-good God that is at work holding it all together. And that kind of fear lets you know it's going to be okay. But it doesn't let you stand as God because that fear brings you to the reality, I am not God and the only place I can go is to worship at his feet. To lay down everything that I hold so dear and to say, you are God, I am not. That is fear of the Lord. 
See, fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It is the anchor for our integrity. And I'm not just making that up. That's Proverbs 1.7. Fear of the Lord is about trust and knowing God for who God is. That God is good and that God is love and God is justice and God is right and God is self-sacrificing. To see God for who God is and to discern between God and the kingdom of darkness so that we know to name things of God's activity, this is God's activity, and to name things out of the kingdom of darkness, lies and deception and death as what they are. The fear of the Lord is about trust, to walk with God through the gardens of our life and to say, here I am. Know me, see me. The fear of the Lord is about safety. Job 28, 28, and he said to the human race, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to shun evil is understanding. Proverbs 9, 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Proverbs 19, 23, the fear of the Lord leads to life. Then one rests content, untouched by trouble. Proverbs 22, 4, humility is the fear of the Lord. You are God. I am not. I humble myself in your presence. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me, O oh God. You are God. I am not. All I have is yours. All I have is yours. Ananias and Sapphira. A picture of integrity gone wrong. The community was selling possessions and selling homes and with great generosity saying, here it is. And when they were asked, they lied. It shook the church and it shook the community. For those of us who are followers of Jesus in the room, I would say the community is looking. The church is watching. We need men of integrity. We need women of integrity. We need kids of integrity who are willing to show the way of Jesus because our internal worlds are being found in him. And we live inside out, free and full. Free and full. I mean, if I just dropped dead right here, like that would, that would be like really, really shaking to all of us. Don't dismiss the magnitude of God's kingdom and work. I was up early enough to see the sunrise. This is how I'm going to close. I was watching the sky change moment to moment to moment to moment. And I was just watching how spread out the orange and the pink and the blue. And then in an instant, bam, the clouds were white. How? How does that do that? Anybody ever been in awe of a sunrise or a sunset? Maybe for you it's the mountains. Maybe it's for you it's the color of water that we don't regularly see in Galveston. Maybe it is Galveston. Alan gave me a good word today. He said that uh, even Galveston's going to be renewed, and so I think we have Hawaii in our future. New heaven, new earth. 
That's a sh- that, that was an ex- I'm pointing to a, a later book in, in the Bible. We were in Acts. I jumped. So just if that's new to you, that was so inside. I'm sorry, but that's just what I did. I was just in awe this morning. I don't know how to make a sunrise or a sunset change on an instant. I don't know how to make them different every day. God does. God is God. I am not. If you want to be free, I invite you into that way of living. And then to just begin to turn all of your life to a God who can orchestrate sunrises and sunsets and let you know that your life is intended to be his masterpiece. Your life is intended to be the place that he paints beauty day in and day out, that it is free and it is full and it is vibrant because he says, walk with me in the garden of the morning. Walk with me on your way to the boardroom. Walk with me in the midst of parenting a moment you feel totally stressed out about. More importantly, he's saying, my promise is I want to walk with you. I want to be there when you sell your home. I want to be there when you want to be generous to the church, not so that much is made of you, but that I am glorified in your generosity. I want to walk with you, that the integrity of your life would be free to rely on me and walk with me every moment of every day. Let's stand together. I'm not exactly sure how the Holy Spirit is speaking to you out of this text. We believe that God is speaking to you right now. I don't know what you need. But I know enough about my own life and I know enough about humanity that we are all here with a need. Everyone is. There's an invitation for every single person today. And here's where I think it lands. This was the thought that went through my head as I was praying for you, as I was thinking about this community, as I was thinking about anyone who might watch this online. This is the phrase. You can have it all, God. Jesus is inviting you to follow him. And here's where I think integrity begins to expand in our lives. God has more for you than what you've already experienced. Whatever the edge for you is, you've allowed God to have all the way to here. There is more. Will you invite God into that space you have not yet invited God? God is kind, says God stands at the door of your heart and knocks. And he wants to be invited in. Unless you are God, God has more for you. Period. And the integrity of our lives expands when we allow God to have more authority and more voice in whatever part of our story it is we've said is off limits. You will begin to have freedom in your life when you say, I'm going to stop trying, I'm going to stop striving. This is actually the price. This is actually what's true for me. This is actually what's real for me. The secret life inside, I no longer keep secret. You can have that too. I want freedom, I want faith, I want the fullness of life that only you can give. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray that over everybody in the room. And you can resist, and you can go, no, thank you, and that's totally fine. That's between you and God. 
But as after I pray, I'm going to close this out. Anybody who wants prayer, come forward. If you want to say yes to relationship with Jesus, today's the day to do it. God wants all of your life as it is. And as we offer that as a gift in awe, we say, God, you are God. I am not. Here I am at my best and at my worst. Come, Holy Spirit, fill me and begin to do the work internally. Because God loves you and he wants your life to be his beautiful, compelling work. God, I thank you for this church community. I thank you for people who maybe this is their first time here. Maybe they've been coming faithfully Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. God, I pray that you would grow us into a community that is full of integrity, not because of how wonderful we are, but because of how wonderful you are. I pray that you would speak hope to people's minds and lives and hearts. I pray that you would step into that spiritual battle and begin to reveal life, and healing. I pray that you would meet us in the thoughts that deceive us and cause destruction in our value and our worth, and you would call people into the beauty and to the wonder that it is that you have made them and that you know them. God, I pray wherever it is we're believing lies, you would free us in this moment today. I pray wherever it is we're prone to deception, you would begin to walk us away from that moment and that space and lead us into the things of your kingdom. Lead us into the things of the Father who loves us, the Son who died for us and resurrected, and the Spirit who fills us. Holy Spirit, in your power and in your presence, give us everything we need. We ask these things in your name and your name alone. Amen.